Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. If you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges, you will want to listen close as Eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first. Now, here's your host, Eva Medelec. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. I'm Eva Medelec, and I am so happy about the show that we have planned for you today. So today, my guest, the amazing Randy Kay, and I will be talking about happiness and how to make happiness simple. To get your groove back, make time for what matters most, and set yourself up to win, it often must begin with what you tell yourself about your life, your potential, your purpose, your attitude. Now, Randy Kay harnesses the power of words, the fun of play, and the magic of human connection in her work as a radio personality, improv and stage actor, drama teacher, humorist, podcast host, writer, motivational speaker, voice talent, and audiobook narrator. Phew. Welcome, Randy. That is quite a list of things that you do, but we're so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you, Eva. It is just a delight to be here. I, you know, whenever I hear that intro, I'm like, wow, I sound so scattered or impressive. It depends on how you look at it. <laughs> well, you sound full. That's what it sounds like to me. Like you just have a really full life where you get to contribute and share value in a number of different platforms. So with that being said, one of the things, and I always start all of my guests off with this, you know, before we get into deeply what you do, is more about like who you are. What can you tell us about yourself as a person, as an amazing human on this planet? That is such an open-ended but uh, delightful question. And a lot of people don't know how to answer that. So I, <clears throat> I have looked for a, what they call a red thread, which is when you're weaving, that's the thread that you, guides you through everything in, in what I do. And you know, basically, I am a person who loves to communicate. I study communication. I'm fascinated by communication. I also am a person who loves to collaborate. I believe we are almost all the time better with each other. We, we feel often, especially with the internet, the way it is these days that, oh, we can do everything on our own. We can all be Sandra Bullock in the net and just do everything online. But, but we're not, you know, collaboration is where our creativity comes out. I am a creator. I love to create. And I, you know, there's a lot of C's there, but it kind of ties it together. And I'm incessantly curious. I am curious about people. I am curious about the life condition. I'm curious about uh, what I might be able to do or what I might fail at. And these are the things that kind of guide my life and my choices. And I guess the last one would be commitment because, you know, I'm a uh, committed and uh, mostly happy wife and mother. And, you know, life's not perfect, as you know, uh, wife and mother and pretty new grandma. And oh my goodness, congratulations. Thank you. Well, I say pretty new and that the oldest one just finished kindergarten and there's like three in a row. So uh, it is just the delight of, again, you have preschoolers in your life and you get to study the science of human communication over and over and over again as you watch them develop it as they go on. And yeah, so a lot of all those qualities helps me in my work. And I believe that when all is said and done and 
someday we're all going to be gone and leave a legacy that what we leave behind is the love we've given and yes. the things we've been curious about and what we've meant to each other. That's the bottom line for me. So I hope that's a good answer to that question. You know, it's your answer. So it's, of course, it's going to be good. You know, it's, it's unique to you, you know, as you were sharing, I'm like, oh yeah, I like that too. I like that too. I love the creative <laughs> aspect. I, mm -hmm. I am not happy unless I'm creating something, unless I'm solving a problem, unless I'm figuring right. out a creative win-win solution. That's yeah. what lights my fire. And sometimes, much to my husband's chagrin, the solution comes maybe at 2 a.m. And I <laughs> punch him and I'm like, I got it. I figured it out. And he's like, oh, can we talk about this in the morning? But like, I get so excited when I figure something out. Yeah, so, me too. Awesome. Absolutely. It's yeah. like, win. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, thank you for sharing that piece of you with us. So let's get into a little bit more about um, what you do in the world. Like, what are the problems that you address in the work that you do for people? Well, a few things. I spent many years um, and still do, I just finished a play, acting on stage. It's Again, it's all about communication and sharing stories and sharing the human condition. So the ways I do that, I'm fortunate enough that my passion for communication and love can come through in the work that I do. So for many years, I did that as a performer. I also spent one semester as a communications professor, but that was more paperwork than teaching and wasn't quite the venue I wanted to stay with. I also did it for many years. I was privileged to do it as a broadcaster and a morning radio personality locally so that, you know, through our insanity, we were able to bring problems into a humorous perspective. So humor is a big part of helping people cope and helping me cope. Like everything that happened to me, let's put trauma and you know, true shock aside, we put, put grief and trauma to the side, but, you know, things like, um, you know, your heel breaking on the way down the aisle, or, you know, these little things that could make us feel like poor me turned into funny stories. And so being privileged to do radio for so many years helped me to hone my skills as a humorist and see life as more delightful when we can laugh with each other. So that work really helped. And when I left radio, I ended up writing books. I've written two or three and, and also bringing my work to life through audiobook narration and more theater work and being a speaker. I love to be a keynote speaker and just help, you know, share, to share and, and have people share with me. I just love that collaboration. So that has been my honor to be able to do that kind of work to help people solve the problem of life attitude, basically. And I know that's a big topic. But yes, life attitude is a big topic because you know, I was just looking at one of my Facebook pages and I think it said something about um, not living in the past or living in the present or something like that. And somebody, well, what if your past ruined your present or something like that? And you know, my response is it's a choice. You know, we are conscious beings of choice. We mm -hmm. can really have our past negatively affect our present and our future, or we can do whatever personal development work that we need to do to be in that creative energy 
to create the present and future that brings us happiness and joy. Right. But we As have that say, choice. You're a problem solver, right? So if your problem is the way you're looking at your own past, there are ways to work with that. And I'm not a therapist and I'm assuming neither are you, but we are human beings who have found a way to cope with the reality of life. I mean, stuff happens, right? And so as I wonder, I've had a, I've had a few challenges as have we all. And, you know, a couple of my biggest challenges were a husband who abandoned my family when my kids were three and six and disappeared for like 15 years and we didn't know if he was dead or alive. So that's kind of a challenge. And another big challenge when my son developed schizophrenia, which is a huge blow to everybody. And, uh, you know, it's a challenge every time you lose a job, every time, you know, there's a lot of big challenges, but the big challenge of my son's schizophrenia led me eventually to write a book of hope, of reality and hope. So the title is, you know, has chaos and hope in the title. And as that book began to make its rounds and help people, I would I, I got the privilege to travel abroad and speak to psychiatrists and nurses and families and people and hospitals. And, and people would say, I would make them laugh at our, I'm sorry, it's a tragedy when someone you love gets a mental illness. It really is. It's like a grief that never ends. And yet there's hope in there. So, and people would say, well, how do you stay so positive and happy? And how can you even laugh about it? And I would say, well, because it is what it is. But there are ways that I can look at it where I can focus on hope and I can focus on humor when appropriate and I can focus on engaging with other people so we can help each other. And there are still things within this trauma to focus on and it's not that difficult. And people would say, oh yeah, I've studied happiness for 12 years and I'm still not happy. And so I wrote another book called Happier Made Simple because I just felt like it didn't have to be so complicated. So yeah, we tend know, to, as human beings, we can make things more complicated than they need to be, don't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, How and, did and, you develop this skill as a humorist? Because finding the funny <laughs> is a skill Yeah, and being funny is a skill. I mean, sometimes we try to be funny and it's an epic fail. True. And um, on who's receiving the comments sometimes. Exactly. And I, I had dated a comedian, um, very famous comedian actually for a few years, many years ago. And being funny was a way of, I mean, I love to laugh when I'm feeling you know, not my best self. I try to find some, some comedy a Netflix comedy special or something mm -hmm. that I can just laugh at or yeah. funny video, well, dog videos are my thing, but, um, I just <laughs> love to laugh. And my best friend in high school was class clown and ended up having a career in comedy as well. So comedy is in my blood, but I'm not a humorist, if you will, to have that. When I hear humorist, I hear witty humor. Yes. Not just and that's funny. Why I don't say I'm a comedian because yeah. I'm not, I'm not it, a stand-up comic. I don't yeah. have a routine. I don't go to open mic nights at, you know, the laugh factory because I don't want that pressure to have to be funny. A humorous... It's funny. My, my best friend from high school runs open mic nights at mm. the, 
<laughs> the laugh factory. That is so funny that you oh said that. Oh my God, that's hilarious. That's I what she's doing that. now. Yeah, small world, right? I know. But yeah, so when you when I heard humorist, I heard that that witty humor that we can find irony in things and, and be able to laugh at it. How it's did you develop that condition. skill? So that, wow, I have never, ever been asked that question. And to, to be honest with you, I never thought of myself as a humorist until I got a free life coaching session with somebody that I didn't follow up on, but I took the free session and she went, oh, I know what you are. You're a humorist. And I'm like, I am. But when you think of it, that is a thread that kind of runs through everything I do because laughter, appropriate laughter makes everything better. And so for me, I'd have to say that um, I grew up in a family where if you could make someone laugh, that was like the badge of honor. So I grew up valuing it. And I grew up in New York and New York humor is a very, right. It's a very sort of special kind of like you laugh at things that and remember, and I'm very clear in my book and the chapter on humor, never to laugh at somebody, but laugh with somebody. So humor is not laughing at someone else's misfortunes. It's not cruel. It is sharing. Good humor is sharing. So I would never joke about um, my divorce with people who are about to get a divorce. You know, I mean, I would joke with people who've been through it. Like you have to get that sixth sense of knowing Who's going to be able to find this funny? Who's going to be able to share in the irony of it? And you learn by also failure. And Absolutely. so in my our, family, our best lessons are made from mistakes. It's the yeah. best tuition you'll ever pay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and observing other people's failures sometimes. So, and humor is very different for different people. So for instance, in my family, um, teasing someone was very valuable. But one brother bought into that sense of humor and the other brother didn't find it funny. Mm. Did not find teasing funny. And to this day, they don't get along. Mm. And I think it's their sense of humor is just in a different place. So there is an element of sensitivity when you use humor and realizing what's going to hit below the belt and what isn't. And but with that said, and I know you're going to go to break soon, I think that humor is gentle, humor is loving, humor takes observation, especially of things that other people may not be noticing. And every humorist and comedian carries a little notebook going, oh my God, that is hilarious, or it's going to be hilarious tomorrow. And then we turn it into things to share the human condition and find something that most people can laugh with us about it. So I'd, and, and then there's humor when you talk to yourself, because yes. when I, you know, when I say, I cannot believe that just like you and I just like both dated comedians and both talked about the laugh factory just out of the top of our heads. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, and that's it. finding that connection, mm -hmm. finding that connection in, um, you know, and that commonality when people ask me about, um, I, I had two dollars, two daughters. And so I have the t-shirt that says, you can't scare me. I have daughters and, um, <laughs> Great. went through that teenage phase with them for sure. And people ask me how I got through it. I didn't get upset over the aliens who came and inhabited their bodies during their teenage years, but I found them hysterically funny. 
not to the point where it would upset my children, although maybe once or twice I might've gone too far, but mm -hmm. I didn't take it personally. I saw the humor in it. So with that being said, you're right. We do have to take a short break right now, but when we come back, I want to hear your inspiration for writing the book about happy, happiness. And your book is called Happier Made Simple. And, you know, why you think the world needs a book like this. So this will be fun to talk about. I love the title. And I love, I just wish pe more people would choose happy in their lives. It makes a huge difference. So we're going to be right back after this short break. So stay with us, guys. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Randy Kay, who is the author of the book, Happier Made Simple. Choose your words, change your life, shortcuts to more serenity in a complicated world. And boy, can we use that. So, Randy, mm -hmm. why do we need a book on happiness? <laughs> that is... Um... A very good question, and I will say there are hundreds of books on happiness. It's a big topic. If you go to Barnes & Noble or if you go on Amazon, you're going to get soup to nuts and a lot of excellent books. And I'm not saying that I didn't learn things from other books, but I went by what people told me, and this is what I heard. I bought a book, and it seemed really good, and then after about a chapter and a half, I just put it back on the shelf. It was too complicated. Or I went to a happiness club and everybody there seemed miserable. <laughs> or 
<laughs> I know I can get a master's degree in positive psychology. Do I need that to be happy? And I, and, and I thought, no, I, and I, and I, you know, happiness like humor is a science and there is research and there are fascinating things to learn about it. But I found people going, I'm not even just going to bother. It's too complicated. Or I would hear, I tried to meditate, but I can't. Or I went to yoga class and I hurt my back. Or, you know, I just want to have time for yoga class or, you know, whatever. Like it takes too much work. So I thought, you know, I'm going to create a one hour program, a lunch and learn. So that's what I did. And I started going and thinking, you know, what could stick in your head to remember what to do when you finished reading the book? Because if you've ever read a self-help book and made it to the end, you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What were the four agreements again? You know, so, and, and that's a great book, by the way. And so what I did was play with it and think of seven core phrases or catchphrases of my own self-talk that help me to stay happier. And I'm very clear that it's not, not a book on happiness. It's a book on happier because I don't think we're put on this earth to be happy 100% of the time. That's not the point. We're put on earth to meet our challenges, to reach for goals, to teach each other, to learn from each other, to do work. And there's a lot of books on there that are about reaching your dreams, making your dreams come true, you know, positive, attract positive things to your life. I'm but glad you use the word positive Positivity. because I was, I was writing down, um, you'll hear, I'm sure you hear a lot on social media about the toxic positivity to think positive. Yes. How can you spin the positive? And at one point it becomes more of a bypassing or even a gaslighting, if you will, of kind of running over real things, real feelings, real emotions that aren't necessarily happy in that moment. So right. what I'm hearing you say, it's not a book on happiness, but it's a book on self-talk to be happier. And we've got to watch the language that we use on ourselves and on others. Absolutely. Because you know, uh, to be honest with you, much sexier and better selling books are all about you can achieve your dreams. Quit that boring job and achieve your dreams. Well, you know what? Some people like their boring jobs. So shut up. Don't tell me what I need to do. Like, <laughs> that just makes me mad. Uh, you know, sometimes we like our boring jobs. And I'm working on a TEDx talk about the myth of work-life balance because there's a lot wrong with that concept. And I have a lot of things to say about that. However, Let's go back to toxic positivity. No, we are not supposed to be happy 100% of the time. That's not the goal. We are put on this earth with a lot of plays to be in, you know, a lot of stages to play, a lot of situations to play out. And we are here to learn and we are here to teach and we are here to work and we are here to help each other. That's what I think. However, how are we going to have the good energy to do all that if we're mired in self-doubt and mired in self-pity? And so my seven catchphrases are about finding happier moments in the day so you have the energy to just make your day a little bit better and make everybody else's day a little bit better if possible. So, and that includes accepting your own feelings and the full spectrum of them. You had two teenagers and daughters. I have one daughter, one son. And 
the joke that almost always gets a laugh with some, and it's not a joke, but it's something I said once and everyone, you know, could relate to it, which to me is what the humor's about. And I said, yeah, daughters, they go through a phase called whoever I am, I'm not my mother. And that starts at about, right? Okay, so you're laughing. I know this is on video, but you're laughing. And it starts at about age 12 and goes about 10 years. And you'll get them back around early 20s because they realize we're not so terrible. And that just is what it is. In order to self-actuate, they have to not be us. And they have to push us away. And that's part of growing up. And if you were the perfect mother, it's still going to happen. You know, I, you know, I was a morning radio personality and I was very careful to tell my kids, I'm not going to tell any stories about you that you don't want me to tell. And I tried to do it perfectly and they still hated it. My daughter, we have a different last name because of their dad. And she went to high school, didn't tell anybody for the first year that who her mother was. Who her mother was. <laughs> She's just embarrassed, you know? I mean, we are here to embarrass our children. So that's yeah. why God pays us the big bucks. Exactly. So we get exactly. paid extra to do that. Exactly. I remember distinctly, you know, I was always an involved mother as, as a single mom because mm -hmm. I too, you know, my first husband left when the kids were six and three. But oh, I was always involved. You're not, you're not serious. Exactly the same. Same age. Yeah. Hilarious. If it we is live hilarious. Across the country, we should yeah. get together and yes, <laughs> share war stories. Anyway, go ahead. And um, I was always involved in their school, the PTA, the bagel sales, all the things. And then when they get to high school, I remember having they had the talk with me. This is not grammar school, mom. You don't have to show up here. You don't have to <laughs> talk to my teachers. You know, you don't need to be so involved because up until then, I was known as Hillary's mom or Kayla's mom, Hillary's right. mom or Kayla's mom. And I didn't have my own identity. And, and I was fine with that. Like, wow, I was a big deal until I had these kids. And then I'm just like, mom. But yeah, there, there comes that that point. And you know, to, to, um, to really um, emphasize what you said about kind of the, the metamorphosis or the transformation, mm -hmm. if you will, from not being my mom and kind of being pushed away. And that can be hurtful unless you find the humor in it, mm -hmm. knowing that you, they come back just like we came back to our moms you know, some of us more than others, if we, if we were blessed enough to have our moms with us or, you know, have a, have a healthy, mentally healthy uh, mom, but there's just so much that goes into, you know, I love Wayne Dyer's quote, and I'm sure you do too. Change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. We have that choice and it doesn't have to be complicated. It really it, doesn't. It doesn't really. And, and the whole crux of my book is it goes like this. First of all, I make it really conversational, like what we're doing. And every chapter is, first of all, I say, you don't have, you know, the goal is not to be happy all the time. Also, we're not the first people to think about happiness. There's a million quotes from across the centuries, including the Bible of people struggling with the same thing. And so, you know, we're not new. We're all trying we're to not that special. This. <laughs> yeah, we're not that special. Just like, let's just try to be as good as we can while we're here. And each chapter, once I set those things up, is like, okay, here's the story. Here's the word I told my, the phrase I told myself to make it better for me. Try it. Let me know how it works out. And if it works for you, great. Here's why. Here's one study in case, you know, because left brain people like the science and I like the science and 
thank God there are scientists who do these studies and can understand statistics and they do all that. And this is why it works. And then just a few more thoughts and more resources. So I keep it really simple, but you can remember the seven core phrases because the concepts they represent spell out the word breathe. And I know seven mm. is a lot. You're not supposed to do more than three to five, but I had a lot of things to say. So, <laughs> so, you know, and it's we, your book and you got to do what you want. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There so, you go. So, you know, I tried to bust a few fallacies and, you know, one of them is, and you mentioned it in the first segment is the, the concept of mindfulness, which I love and is very important. However, it is not about, the goal is not every second of every day to be in the present moment because we would never plan a vacation. We would never remember anybody's birthday. We would never never relive in our hearts our child's first word. Like there are moments in the present where you can call up things from the past to either learn from them or savor them, or you can look ahead to the future to make some plans, or you, but you can look forward to the future with anxiety or with or, delight. Yes, or with happy anticipation and a motivation exactly. to keep going. And that right. that's where you have that, that choice. And you've got to be intentional with yes. it. You've got to be intentional with it. What is anticipation, you, you know, is its own joy, yeah. even if it doesn't come true. But that's so true, Randy. You know, I, I share this with my clients a lot. My husband and I, every week, we have our little Sunday ritual where we just you know, walk over, I meet him at a coffee shop after he walks the dog and we sit and we dream and we plan and we imagine uh -huh. our dream home and my dream closet and kitchen and, you know, his dream location of where it wants to be. And then we make an action plan to have those dreams come true. And there's so much joy in those moments where we're not reacting to what's happened and problems that we need to solve we savor that hour and it literally is an hour, hour and a half love it. to just dream. That. And it's our dream Sundays. And that's when I, you know, have my almond croissant and my latte. And it's my moment to just throw caution in the wind. And, you know, and we, and I'll, I'll ask him, you know, what is your perfect house look like? What is a non-negotiable for you? And we are going to make plans for all that to come, come true for us, but it's just, the joy that it infuses us with to mm -hmm. have something to look forward to right, has a lot to, to say. And it's not the yeah. worry, anxiety. What if this happens in the future? And what if we can? And what if we lose everything? That's where the anxiety comes in. But, you know, what are we going to dream and plan for? Like I vacations? I love and that. It's because not perfect. only are you dreaming and planning, but you're having a delightful hour every Sunday. Yes. So really. having that time together. And the thing about anxiety is, is it's not useless. Like, I, you know, I'm clear in the book, um, you know, so the first concept is being, I call it being, could be mindfulness and just be here now. If I remind myself a few times a day, be here now, I'm brushing my teeth. Oh, this is really minty toothpaste. Just a moment, just a split second. I've had a happier minute. And then I go on to reality. It is what it is because some sucky things happen. And there are sometimes, you know, the serenity prayer, do what you can, but there's things you can't change. But when you're looking ahead to something, there is anxiety that is useful and anxiety that is pointless. 
Useful anxiety goes like this. I'm worried that my house will burn down. I think I might change the batteries on the smoke detectors. Like you, if it leads to an action <laughs> that's going to make it less likely that that thing will happen, then that anxiety has been useful because it leads to a plan for your dream or yes, saving up yes. for your front porch. My dream is to have yeah. a front porch on my house. Oh, so, you and my husband have the same dream because oh, that's one of his non-negotiables. He wants a front porch. And I like... want a front porch, not a back deck, <laughs> a front porch so I can see people walk by. And, and I my want four the back and a half year old granddaughter, like we drive by houses and she's like, do you like that one, grandma? Do you like that one? So, Love you know, it. useless anxiety is when you've done everything you can and now it's up to the universe or it's up to patience or whatever, mm -hmm. however you want to look at it and you can't do anything else. Yeah. There are certain things beyond your control. So exactly. So useless anxiety is staying up all night, worrying that you might, for me, this is recent, forget the lines in the play. It's only yes. useful. If you didn't study yet and you need to study more. Mm, so there's it, useful it. anxiety and useless anxiety. And it's good to know the difference and know to tell yourself, you know what? I've done everything. I, like my daughter had a job interview today, a third interview, and she might get it. She might not. And I just said, did you do your best? Did you, uh, do you regret? And she says, no, I did a great interview. I'm really happy with what I did. I said, so now it's not up to you anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about taking it personally. Um, and she knows that she's my yeah. daughter and she's yeah. over 22. So yeah. she, she doesn't mind I mean, my you, advice. You, and we, we have, you know, we get to take radical responsibility for our lives as well. And mm -hmm. so if it's planning yeah. to make sure that your house doesn't burn down, to make sure that there's like, for me, it's like, do I have enough dog food for this greedy little dog? You know, and right. I realized today, like, oh, my, we're almost, you know, out, even though I have automatic you know, it gets mailed automatically. Sometimes she just eats a lot more when she's in daddy's care. But we won't, we'll talk about that for another day. We'll I, I did want to ask you though, yeah. what did you learn about yourself and others in writing this book? What were the lessons you got out of it? Good question. So whenever you're trying to formulate the way you live your life in a way that might help other people, it sharpens your mind. So I learned, for instance, in my, um, the third concept is E for engagement. We're all connected. And I happened to be writing this while we were all very disconnected in COVID. And that was a really hard time for a lot of people. And we're still, I mean, we're still in it in a way, but I think people are going, screw it. I'm going to go to theater anyway and wear a mask. But um, I learned how, doubly learned how important it is to honor that connection and notice that connection. There's a reason we ran out of toilet paper, and that is because we don't make it ourselves. People manufacture it, people deliver it, people stock the shelves. Every single thing that we do or have, as much as we take responsibility for our own lives, it is because of other people. When you're getting a root canal, that guy went to school to learn how to do that. Thank you. When your paper arrives at your door in the morning, someone got up at three o'clock in the morning to have that job and bring you your paper. And I talk a lot about in my thing about appreciation, not being grateful for, but being grateful to. Because wow. if we're not grateful to other people, 
we're living under this fallacy that we do it all ourselves. And, you know, I'm a self-made woman, kind of, and you're a self-made woman, but we're never a self-made person. We all help each other. And so I kept learning and reinforcing for me how many people in my life I am grateful to for learning how to be a doctor, learning how to be a dentist, manufacturing the vitamins that I take in the morning. So appreciation and engagement, it just sharpened that for me. Appreciation for the people in my life who haven't been perfect, for the people who hurt me, because I learned to be strong. I learned how to choose right better there. next time. Yeah, that's you know? where our past really sharpens our iron for who we are today and who mm -hmm. we get to be today and who we become today. There's nothing in my past that I regret. Yeah, there's some feelings that I wish I didn't have to experience. <laughs> but I look, you know, I look at it now with, you know, my second husband as well. I wouldn't have appreciated him so much if it hadn't been for the other experiences of relationships that didn't work out and, mm -hmm. and my own growth journey and what it made me become to this mm -hmm. day and what I still am becoming through my experience and my relationship with him and the people that who are in my lives, in my lives, in my life <laughs> now. And so it's really important to, to look at those experiences in a way that shapes the person, the knowledge, the wisdom that you acquire to have survived and thrived, come out on the other side from all those breakdowns to break through, to be who you are today. And I love what you said about, you know, being grateful to and, and being in gratitude because, you know, you hear Brene Brown say that it's impossible to be in gratitude and not experience joy. Mm -hmm. at the same time. And so looking at one thing I do have to mention, you mentioned dentists three times, whether it was brushing <laughs> your teeth, the root canal or something else. That's and funny. I don't know if you knew this, but I spent 40 years in dentistry as a dental hygienist. So I was like, Oh, she, she takes care of her teeth. That's great. I definitely, <laughs> definitely do. I All right. Let's do. take a short break guys now. And so when we come back, I want to hear a little bit more about the work you do in mental health and communication, because you also have a best-selling book called Ben Behind His Voices, One Family's Journey from the Chaos of Schizophrenia to Hope. And that was nominated for a Publishers Weekly Award. So stay with us, guys, to learn more about Randy's many talents. We'll be right back. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends. 
You sent them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Okay, now we're back with Randy Kay talking about so many things and her many talents. And we just kind of wrapped up in the last segment talking about happier made simple. So Randy, tell us a little bit more. You know, I, I teased coming into the break about your best-selling book, Ben Behind His Voices. Tell me a little bit about that book and the work you do in mental health and communication. Okay. So thank you. That is, as I mentioned before, I have a son and a daughter. And what I have learned is that serious mental illness happens to at least one in five, could be one in four families in America. And I think it's getting a little more play than it used to, but schizophrenia is kind of the last mental illness in the closet that people don't understand and don't talk about. So my son, whose name is not Ben, but that's what I call him in the book, because he asked me to change his name. So if you search Ben K, you're not going to get anything. Uh, around his, you know, there's this saying, I'm only as happy as my unhappiest child. And I had to learn to throw away that saying and be happy anyway, because it's his life. But I'm his mother and I support him and my whole family as best I can. We all do that. I mean, family is what you embrace and what embraces you back. And we all try to honor our own little corners of the universe and do our best with the people we've been given to take care of our dogs or cats or whatever, you know, the, the beings that we've been given responsibility for and to do our best by. So my son, as I mentioned, their dad left when they were three and six and I raised them alone as well, just like you. And it was, you know what, we were doing great. You know, I, I had a big brother from big brothers, big sisters. I did everything I could. I taught drama in their school so I could be with them and blah, 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 blah. And it was all going pretty well. I'm like, all right, like I wish they had a dad. I can't be a dad, but we have some teenage angst here, but we're doing okay. I done good. Well, then my son started taking the teenage angst and it got worse and worse and worse and worse and ended with dropping out of high school, use of excessive use of pot 
and to the point where he was out of control just at the time when my friend's kids were coming, becoming human again, if you will. And after much learning and many attempts to fix him and normalize the situation, I came to realize that he had a serious mental illness called schizophrenia. And I did my research and I read a lot of books and consulted a lot of people. And eventually, you know, he was homeless for a while. It's a whole story that's in the book, but he came back to the bosom of our family with the limit that the boundary that he would do what the psychiatrist said. And after some rebellion, he did. And that followed, it, it's a horrible illness and it keeps developing. So when my book came out, he had had seven hospitalizations, was finally stable on a medication that stabilizes, doesn't cure, but stabilizes like insulin for a diabetic and was living in a group home and was stable and part of our family again and had promise for a future. So I, it was just when I left radio and had some time on my hands because I had a severance package and people said, you know, you've helped so many people with your story. Why don't you write a book? And I thought, well, if I'm ever going to write a book, I'm going to write a book now. So I wrote a book called Ben Behind His Voices, One Family's Journey from the Chaos of Schizophrenia to Hope. And it came out of about 10 years ago now and was nominated for a Publishers Weekly Award. And then, um, you know, he had another relapse because living with someone with mental illness is like a game of shoots and ladders. And was back in the hospital and then we got him stabilized again and he lived with us for nine years and got to the point where he was working full-time and driving a Lexus and um, all seems good, you know, but it's never a hundred percent, but I, I, you know, I learned to say it is what it is. One of my phrases in my book and now what, what can I do? What can't I do? All will be well. It's his journey. There are a lot of catchphrases that helped me through whenever I started feeling sorry for myself. And also humor did too. I'm like, hmm, he's finding his inner voice is more interesting than me. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know, and you just try to find the humor when you're not in crisis, you know? Yes. So these seven core phrases, I even wrote a blog post on Ben Behind His Voices about how these seven phrases help our family through. Um, COVID brought another big crash for my son. And he's now, after nine years of living with us, he's back living in another group home and trying to rebuild his life. So it is a challenge that doesn't go away. It's like, if you love someone with cancer, you're always looking over your shoulder to see if there's remission. So that is our family's journey. That is his journey. I love him. I'm proud of him. Anytime we have a good day, I'm grateful for the good day. I'm grateful for any happy moments we can amass. Right now he's stable. I see him every Sunday. He comes over and the grandkids adore him. Oh, uncle is here. Uncle Ben is here. Oh, play video games with us. Like they adore him. And could that change tomorrow? It could absolutely change tomorrow. But a good day is a good day. And I put it in my pocket and I hang on to the good memories. It's really important as a parent or a loved one even of someone that struggles with uh, a mental illness or a mental disease, if you will, like mm -hmm. it would be cancer or alcoholism or whatever disease brain is, illness, you yeah. know, affects your brain to know that 
certain things are beyond our control and we can't fix it and make it better. And it's not our fault. Something else we kind of have in common where I had to learn that as well and not be so, um, trying so hard to be the one to bring them to that other side of healing, Mm -hmm. you know, as they're an adult and in their adult journey and to trust the medical professionals, or in some cases create that boundary that protects what I've created in my home from the effects of that mental illness. Yes. And let them be on their own journey. That is really powerful. And it's something that I was fortunate enough to be able to, to move with a little bit of ease into after realizing that there really is nothing I can do, especially when it comes to the, the gaslighting and some of the narcissistic behavior that can accompany certain mental illnesses and mental diseases of the brain. And to really just protect myself and my family mm-hmm. from, from the effects of that, from the poison that that can spill out to, to other families without feeling, and this is the key here, without feeling guilty or responsible in a way for that, but to really just give that individual the space that they need to be on their own journey of healing. Mm -hmm. And that can't be easy for a lot of parents. It can't be easy. It's never, you know, I think every parent, there's two things I, I talk about parenting. One is it's the most humbling experience in the world because you don't have the control you think you have. You're not going to, you know, I had a son first and I'm like, oh, great. I can now make a perfect man from scratch. You know, I'll give him the right kind of love. And, I'll, you know, I used to teach him when your wife, when he was six, like when your wife comes home from work and says, I had a bad day, don't say, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. You have to say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Tell me about your bad day. Like it was like a joke, but yeah. I was like, I'm going to create the perfect man. And then this illness comes along to steal him away. It's like the, you know, you talk about adolescence, it's like the invasion of the body snatchers, like who took my lovely children and gave me these, you know, but, (laughs) but they don't grow out of it with a mental illness. Exactly. You hit the nail right on the head because I always had that hope. She'll grow out of it. She'll come back. And there were brief moments of coming back, but nothing got really better sustainably, but each episode became worse and more toxic and more, um, more vitriol, if you will. And I, it took me a, a minute, a while to figure out, oh, this is not my fault. This is a brain disease or mm-hmm. brain disorder. And right. it's incredibly freeing when you relieve yourself of the guilt and the responsibility and just be responsible for loving what is, if you will, and as much as you can. Exactly. And really focus on on to keep the rest of your family safe. Yes, exactly. exactly. I mean, that's like my son knows if he doesn't have a clean drug test, he's not visiting and it's his choice to use pot or not but mm-hmm. I will set the consequences. And yeah, and you've you set know, your and, boundaries. Exactly. You, have, you, have, you have clear, clearly communicated boundaries that you set mm-hmm. and, and communicate it. And, and that's what's important as well. 
So that's why, you know, in my book and Happier Made Simple, you know, the, the, the main seven chapters are about self-talk, but I do have chapters at the end about wording that you use with other people. And there, you could do a mm. whole book on that. But like when you're setting boundaries, I try to be gentle and use say, you know, I'm a voiceover talent. So everything is about tone of voice for yes. me. And <laughs> I'll say, you know, here's what I am willing to do. And here's what I'm not willing to do. And just yeah. say it with love. And I said, you know, what I am willing to do is have you come every Sunday as long as you're clean. What I'm not willing to do is feel uncomfortable if I feel you're being symptomatic or if you're high. It's just exactly. not going to happen. And exactly. I say it with love and I hope for a better Sunday next Sunday. And just, you know, so words are powerful there you know, because powerful. they represent so many things. And that's at the crux of my book, seven core phrases of self-talk. And then a few chapters on what happier people tend to do and what they tend to say to other people. And well, that is so helpful, Randy, because, you know, we do need guidance and direction. We can't figure out everything for ourselves. That's why we're here together on this earth. Yeah. So um, in the last minute that we have, what matters most to you? What's important now for you? Knowing that I am living to my full potential to make the world a better place, even if it's just in my little corner, but hopefully further. Awesome. Thank and you for sharing Share that. laughter. Yes. And share laughter. And how can folks get in touch with you to learn more about you and, and get their hot little hands on their, on your book? Absolutely. So probably the best way, although, you know, both of my books are on all of the major online uh, thing, you know, Barnes and Noble, but Amazon, obviously I have just re-released the audio book of Ben behind his voices with a new introduction and epilogue. So mm. if you want an updated version of it, it's only available on audiobooks. You can go on audible or Amazon to get that. And uh, randyk.com, both of those spelled with a Y-E, and each book has its own website, benbehindhisvoices.com, happiermadesimple.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you. you for sharing how we can be happy and healthy and about the work you do for mental health and wellness. It's so appreciated. You know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And being happy needs to be a priority. So thank you so much for reminding us of that. And I want to thank our listeners for choosing our show today. I am incredibly grateful that you're listening and finding something to direct your focus and your priorities for yourselves on this show as well. And as usual, I love to leave you with a quote. This one is by Lao Tzu. Time is a created thing. To say I don't have time is to say I don't want to. So thank you for joining, and until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's Important Now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week. 